you know, we can be a little bit messier and lost and struggling and that's okay. That's also part of the experience. You know, you do learn in those moments. Hello and welcome to the Inspired Astrology podcast. This is Lauren K. Hickman. Welcome. Welcome on this afternoon after the solar eclipse, the new moon in Gemini this morning. How are you? (laughs) It's been a lot. I did not sleep the last couple of nights. It feels like there's been a flashlight inside of my head. And all I can think is maybe that's got to do with the solar eclipse. And maybe it doesn't. You let me know if you know what that flashlight experience is, though. (laughs) It's still Gemini season, and it's happening. The weather is vacillating. It's hot. It's cool. The wind is blowing. It's beautiful. I'm going to read you a little bit from the report. So I think about sensory experience when I think about eclipses. When we sense our surroundings, you know, maybe maybe as you're listening to this, you can focus on something in the room, maybe a plant, an object, a window, a piece of artwork, that sock on the floor. <laughs> Whatever it is, just check in and sense your surroundings. Try and perceive and feel and see, experience as much detail in your space. And then I want you to close your eyes. Squeeze them shut, cover your nose, cover your eyes. Try to drown out perception for just a moment. Take a breath. Maybe you're hearing just my voice. Maybe you're hearing birds out in the distance or cars horns honking. Just notice that. Keep your eyes closed. Squint harder. And then open your eyes. Look at that object again. What are you noticing about it now? How do you see it differently now? What stands out in your senses after they've been disrupted for just a moment? After that contact point with the hearing senses or maybe the feeling senses? That is the micro version of an eclipse, my friends. That is the refresh button on your browser. So the new moon eclipse in Gemini was this morning, June 10th, 5.53 a.m. from where I stand on the fresh coast of Lake Michigan. So this has been the window closing after walking through what feels like an endless hall of mirrors these past two weeks. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by hall of mirrors? It's something to the extent of perception, one of the key pieces to Gemini season. Perception, seeing new angles, new angles of looking up our nostrils or our legs, or just perspective in general. You know, it's not really self-referential, but I want you to get that image in your mind of what it feels like to see things from a new perspective, a new angle, new textures, new insight, right? So what new information has been presented to you in these past two weeks? 
in this window between the lunar eclipse in Sagittarius on May 26th and now. What has been brought to you in the season of perspective and now what will you do with it? What will you do with that information? I think eclipse seasons last for six months. You know, the the effects of this energy, it's like a disruption, a blip in time. So there is this this shade energy that sort of uh, illuminates or darkens some of the things that we're seeing. What's in uh, the periphery? What's in focus? And it gives us an opportunity to see things again or maybe be reminded of what was going on last eclipse season. What was happening in November and December for you with the Sagittarius new moon and a Gemini full moon. That'll give you some food for thought there. You cannot unsee what's been seen. And it's really tough when you're dealing with data that you try to omit, right? (laughs) Nothing more Gemini than that than trying to hide a piece of the puzzle underneath the pillow if it's not fitting into your strata, into the circumstances. How can we fit that in? How can we fit this new information and perspective into your current circumstances? How can you integrate and fold, hug in to new wisdom, new perspective to create a fuller, wholer, more authentic version of yourself? It's been a bit intense. (laughs) This eclipse season's been like a trust walk with the universe, blindfolded for a moment knowing that you'll end up in the right spot, knowing that the universe is unfolding exactly as it should. So the new moon today seals this portal, that reset button, an exciting and stimulating opportunity to upgrade, download, and regenerate the way that you think, perceive, and connect with the world around you. So I was looking at the chart for today and uh, yeah, (laughs) you have the sun, the moon, very close to the nodes, of course, because it's an eclipse and that's how those work. Uh, The moon moving in between the earth and the sun. So it's all about angles, but we had the moon, the sun and Mercury, the ruler of the season, our friend, the child the androgynous, the gender-bending, worldly, navigating above and below, below and above, the mind, the emotions, the underworld, the psyche, the psychopomp, Mercury. They're all hanging out. (laughs) And in the chart for Milwaukee, it was a Gemini rising. So it really, really emphasized this syrupy Gemini energy. And uh, it's it's interesting because it's, you know, Gemini is an air sign, but with all of this concentration, to me, it felt like undiluted Kool-Aid, right? From childhood, maybe that was where the visual came in for me. But these major energies are connected. The moon floating between the earth and the sun, creating a blip, wobble, (laughs) disruption in the solar energy and in astro terminology the sun the solar energy translates into our perceptual self 
our ego body, our personality, our vitality, our willpower, so to speak, not to disclude you Mars, okay? (laughs) Mars is about action and will, but so is the sun. So this disruption is getting in the way of our ego and how our emotions, the moon, tints in tones, colors, the lens of our perspective and understanding. And what do we need to know about our path and purpose, that's the earth, to elevate this precious world in which we exist, our peace in the puzzle. No big deal, right? Just an eclipse. All right, see ya. Bye. (laughs) So jot down your dreams, you know, lock your phone in a box for a day or at least delete those time suck apps for just a moment. I feel like this is such a a gift to just be, you know, no spell casting, no rituals, no real to-dos or to-das in this moment, but just getting in touch and in tone with the vision of the world you know how to create. Receive these downloads. Um, I must be receiving something because I did not sleep a wink last night, uh, maybe two hours. And here I am presenting myself to the world in this sleepy state, doing things imperfectly because that's what I tell my clients. You cannot do it all perfectly. And so I am showing up in a mucky, messy brain way. I, I can't hardly read my notes because my eyes are blurring. Uh, It's kind of a a beautiful, fun, altered state of being in this ecliptical, elliptical (laughs) silliness and sleepiness. But uh, yeah, there's some Gemini knowledge for you. Gem in I, the gem of perspective. This is something that uh, my mentor, current mentor, Ryan Evans shared with me. And, you know, I am not impervious to astrological informations, downloads and experiences. This eclipse has been hitting pretty hard home for me on my access of communication and where I want to go and teaching. This is a, it's been a big download of information for me and I am processing in the best way that I am capable of doing so. Um, I am so excited to invite today's guest on, Miss Kate Kelly. She is a blogger of uh, kind of a sleepy blog at the moment, but it's called the Faux French, Faux French blog. Um, She is a self-identified Francophile, a femme de lettres, and a croissant enthusiast living in Brooklyn, New York. And she's actually from Milwaukee. So super fun (laughs) getting to reconnect with one of my New York friends and contacts and really getting to celebrate uh, childhood and language and connections and communication. She and I spoke back in April and I think both of us were kind of in a funk at that point. And I know that I needed the conversation a lot. Um, It really brought so much life and joy to me, just the way that all of these interviews do and all of these connections that I get to make. Um, Unfortunately, this being the Mercury retrograde episode, as I put in the notes, uh, we had some wackadoo Wi-Fi connections and a whole chunk of the conversation was lost 
to uh, really weird, garbly electric noises. So I had to cut out quite a bit of the interview. If I can fill you in on some of the details, uh, we get through you know, her experience at the French Immersion sh- in School here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, um, and how that was such a formative experience for her. But she moved out to New York. Um, she started to work as a, an illustration agent, which is like a connective task. And she shares a little bit about that experience and wanting to stretch out stretch out her legs and do freelance writing for herself and finding and founding the faux French blog. Um, And unfortunately, the the section where she talks about some of the fun research projects that she does, she refers to Google as an oracle. uh, And I really love that. And I might steal that one, Kate. So she talks about, um, you know, Googling silly things just as a Gemini and always having that why, what, how, who, what's going on, that curiosity and just looking into those spaces and sort of going and finding rabbit holes and, you know, things to find online. And one of those things was the history of French fries. So you should go to the faux French blog and look back in the archives and find that conversation on uh, the French and potatoes and potato blossom hats worn by Marie Antoinette um, because that is lost to audio history. So uh, I can't control everything and I don't want to, frankly, that would be so awful. (laughs) But uh, we did get a good chunk of the conversation and we got to talk about Le Petit Prince, this book, The Little Prince. Um, We got to talk about Mr. Rogers, who is a saint and so wonderful. Uh, and such an, I, I need to do a whole episode just talking about Mr. Rogers, beautiful Piscean integrated service to mankind chart. Um, I think that Kate had such a beautiful perspective on childhood and the child perspective and, and how much insight and, and what's kind of lost in our culture, at least in American culture, my experience is sort of forcing kids to grow up uh, faster than they need to or putting them ahead of where they are in the present moment. And it was interesting talking to a Gemini about how to stay in the present moment during the, you know, kind of the pandemic. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, it's still happening. It's still going on. And these are still conversations that I think are worth recording. Um, So you're welcome to fast forward through that part if you don't want to hear anything else about it. But I think her experience in New York City, her reflections on how to bond with trees in the park and playing the violin and finding ways to work with her chatty mind and her celebrated nervous system. Thank you, Gemini Mercury uh, integration there. Um, I really love this conversation and I think Mercury retrograde, you know, I'll, I'll switch over to that contact point for just a moment here. And uh, Mercury went to, to retrograde at the end of May and will be there until the end of this month. Um, these are always precious times to go back, read twice, <laughs> check, check the text message, check the, the letters, the words that you put out there, check your communication, think twice before you speak. Uh, what do they say? Um, uh, you know, the waiting, taking a breath between thumb and send, right? Just taking a moment to, to, to breathe in and then respond. Um, I know that I've had some reactive moments that were out of character for me. I can't say that this was Mercury retrograde, but some of the lessons that I'm experienced during this time of 
wanting to be faithfully honest, uh, especially with a, a new moon in Gemini with Mercury this close to sun and moon. Usually it's a truth moment. This is a like things coming out of the woodwork kind of moment. So pay attention. What truths are emerging out of the depths of your being in conversation? What truths are being presented to you external to self? These are all really relevant things to pay attention to this new moon in the next couple of days. But with Mercury in retrograde, um, don't yeah, just yeah, take it easy. You know, don't start any big massive projects. I think this is a time for finishing, for going back, combing through, whether that be contracts or editing, um, things that you've already instigated, right? That's some that's some good wisdom. That's what I think. Mars is moving into Leo this week. So those with Leo placements, mutable placements, enjoy. <laughs> Hopefully this is an action taking time for you. A uh, little flair, a little flamboyant, little drama. Never hurt anybody, right? Uh, I'm wrong. So <laughs> let's hope that the drama is for fun and for character and for laughter and for joy and bringing people together and offering generosity. So I hope that that is the instigation of this period. Next week, Saturn and Uranus are squaring again, exact square. Um, we have Saturn stationed retrograde. Uh, this this is going to make that next contact point, that next square between Saturn and Uranus. Um, I have my theories that that's why the uh, Bitcoin market is crashing. Uranus and Taurus representing uh, cryptocurrency, Saturn and Aquarius. It's a very strong energy there of... Uh, what's best for all. Um, hope that's not affecting you personally. <laughs> if it is, uh, you know, call your therapist. I don't know. <laughs> I'm being so goofy right now. Anyway, I hope that you are taking such good care of yourself with this intense energy of change, of reformatting, of upgrading. Get in touch with me if you want to see what access points that this eclipse season is affecting on your chart. Uh, get in touch. Um, I've got great news. Lots of good things happening. If you're not on the moon mailer, what are you waiting for? Sign up on my website, Lauren K. Hickman, a la energyinterpreter.com. You can sign up for the moon mailer. I send that out twice a month. I'm not going to bug you too much or anything. Uh, but lots of lots of great things happening. I'm almost booked out for the Des Moines dates in July. I have two slots open for the 23rd and 25th weekend. Cosa uh, Spa and Retreat. Uh, looks like we're pushing that back until September. No problem there, Shilpa. Love you, adore you, and want to help celebrate your space there in Madison any way that I can. So I will come up to Madison and start bopping around and trying to get, get connected with community up there. Uh, next week, Terrestrial Tuesday. Eh, second round at Freight 38 Tuesday. And that's from 6 to 9 p.m. What else is happening? I got a space. I got a space, guys. <laughs> Orchid acupuncture in Shorewood, Milwaukee. I'll be there Fridays and Saturdays. So if you want to book a Reiki session, um, it's a very quiet space. So we have to be quiet. But I would love to do a reading for you. Uh, so get in touch with me and we can do that anytime from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Fridays and Saturdays for the next couple of months. Um, Asheville, I'm coming your way. Maybe I'll be busking. I don't know. Get in touch with me if you're listening from Asheville. <laughs> uh, it is Pride Month. I want to acknowledge that uh, as a out 
queer pansexual person, human being. Uh, this is this is a season of celebration, of education, of um, really honoring an authentic and incredible community that I'm so proud to be a part of in spaces that I've always felt the safest in because I felt and always have felt that it is a more true representation of the human experience than what the binary has provided. So if you need resources or information, um, if you're if you're working to come out, you know, I, I, there's a lot of resources out there. I was just reading on Planned Parenthood. Um, they have a whole resource about gender and sex, intersex, transgender, pronouns, the whole breakdown. Um, there's so many resources out there to help the people who are not in the know to have a better understanding of what it means to be yourself and to be a human being and to express all the all the beauty and expression that it is to be a human being. So with that said, I'm going to invite Kate Kelly on to celebrate her being, her Gemini journey. Enjoy. Stay inspired. K-Apothecary in Mount Vernon, Iowa is a metaphysical store and so much more. In 2009, Andrea Gorsh was diagnosed with celiac disease, and when she set out to eliminate irritants from her life, the difficulty was in finding quality, gluten-free bath and skincare products. So pretty soon she was making her own recipes to use herself and she gave some samples to friends and one thing led to another as it goes. So since then, Andrea has had to expand her product line to keep up with demand and she specializes in consultations, the development of custom formulas for problems like anxiety or insomnia or quitting smoking, as well as a line of bath and skin products for customers who appreciate her high quality ingredients and local sourcing practices. Right now, they have a summer solstice package available, lots of workshops and events all the time. As I said, this is an online and in-person community, so you can connect with them virtually on Facebook or Instagram. You can sign up for their monthly event newsletter. They have a snail mail, uh, which who does newsletters anymore? Well, uh, K Apothecary does. So they host a variety of workshops, classes, events aligned with goals towards improving the lives of those in the community. So there's a variety of metaphysical studies, moon circles, sound healing, aromatherapy, modern mysticism, witchcraft, astrology, tarot, and so much more. So currently all the events are happening virtually, but the store is open. Uh, You can go check them out in Mount Vernon, Iowa. If you get off I-80 from Iowa City and head north a little bit, uh, it's, it's worth the stop, believe me. Hello, hello. Hello. Yeah, on Instagram, you describe yourself as a femme de lettre, which is like, <laughs> you like are a, like a woman of the word and a yeah. croissant enthusiast, which is very cute. <laughs> and, I, and I knew you immediately, I fell in love with you because it was like bright red lipstick. 
I speak French and I am a writer. I was like, I want to be your friend. I know that you have, you know, you had a blog called the the Faux French blog. And I just want to give you the floor to share, you know, what your journey's been about with, with writing and with language and with travel, which are all very Gemini activities, I'd say, and your curiosity. Yes, totally. That need to explore sometimes, you know, intellectually, but yeah, that is like the crux of who I am. But yeah, so I, it, it actually, you know, it started quite early for me and it's, it's sort of fun to look back on this as an adult who is, you know, kind of learning a little bit of about astrology and, you know, developing more of an appreciation for it because there are just things that just happened in my life that I didn't even necessarily have control over that are very much in alignment with, you know, who I'm meant to be, (laughs) so to speak. So I actually started um, learning French when I was a kid. I went to the French Immersion School in Milwaukee, um, which is a really cool program that I guess they started in the 70s. And if I remember correctly, I'm not sure if this is still the case, but there were, I believe, three immersion schools. It was German, French, and Spanish. And they are all public schools. Um, It was quite literally, I got in by the luck of the draw. Um, It's obviously a popular program. And I've been told, I can't verify this, of course, but that my name was like pulled out of a (laughs) fishbowl, which is kind of cool. Um, And I remember like the first day of kindergarten, it was really bizarre and jarring because, I mean, it's an, you know, an immersion program. You're still young enough that your brain is really malleable. So it's, you know, you don't sit down in the typical classroom environment, you know, doing your conjugations and whatever. Like you just, the teachers are just speaking in French to you. And I just remember the most like confusing first day. And of course, like I found this girl who, and I have no idea if this was true or not, but she claimed to understand and would like try to low key translate for me, but it could have been all like totally fabricated. <laughs> um, but like the strange thing is, you know, it, it you do, you start to get it from, you know, pretty quickly. Like I, I don't even remember and I wish I could, but like what that journey was between, you know, my confusion that first day and when things started to click, like I just then all of a sudden have a memory of being able to, you know, communicate. And I briefly, and I always thought this was a really cute kind of linguistic phenomenon and it didn't last very long, but I had a brief period at five years old where I thought just because of that language environment, I was like, oh, kids speak French. So I like go to the playground in Milwaukee and like try to play with someone and be like, boop, 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 boop. And and they would have no idea what I was saying. Um, And then quickly sorted out. I was like, oh, like only the kids in this particular space happen to speak French. Um, But it was, you know, that I think is probably one of the things that has been most like formative in terms of like who I've become. I went to France for the first time. We had an exchange program. with a school in a suburb outside of Paris called Lise and um, stayed with the family there for a month when I was 10. And it just, I absolutely loved it. I mean, I was such a cliche. I remember like <laughs> literally like roller skating down cobblestones with a baguette slung over my shoulder and a copy of Asterix in my back pocket. <laughs> um, and I absolutely loved it. And then, so as I got older, I, I wound up studying German for a little bit and, middle school and high school, definitely 
would not argue even still that I have any like real proficiency in that language, but, you know, enjoyed, enjoyed learning it certainly as, as best I could. Um, and then when I got to university, I originally, just because of this interest in language, um, was a linguistics major for the first year or two and thought it was really fascinating, but I've noticed sometimes with my brain, it's like, especially with the sciences, it's like once I kind of reach a certain level of understanding, I'm kind of over it, (laughs) which I also feel like is a very Gemini thing. You're like, okay, I got it next (laughs) and just kind of keep it moving. So I was, um, I was trying to track you down online and I found that there was another Kate Kelly one that was um, an excommunicated Mormon feminist uh, which is not you and you told me something about an Australian outlaw woman named Kate Kelly can you just give me some like quick background on that (laughs) sure absolutely Um, so I um, was very interested to learn what the other Kate Kelly's of the world were up to Um, I believe I'm also I was a state senator at one point, if I remember correctly, but this particular Kate Kelly was my favorite. Um, (laughs) And I believe that she would just kind of like travel around the outback in Australia with her brother, Dan. There is apparently a folk song also about this, an Australian folk song. Um, But my best friend in the entire world is also named Dan. So I always just really love that parallel. And, you know, we've always had our little misadventures together and whatnot. And while, you know, we certainly weren't, you know, cool and robbing banks and holding people up, like I, I like to think that there's some sort of connection there. The camaraderie, yeah. Exactly, yes. <laughs> I love that. So it's it's funny that, you know, you and I met in the Catskills on Martin Whitfoot's farm many moons ago. And now mm-hmm. I'm living in your hometown and you're still out in Brooklyn from what I understand. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> I love that. That's so funny. Um, yeah, I. it's interesting um, just kind of following someone else along their path. And then when I saw that you kind of landed in, in Milwaukee, I don't know why I was so tickled by that. Like, I feel like, you know, when I see representations of like, you know, places you've been and like, you know, these new places that you're exploring, I almost selfishly am like so inclined to comment and be like, I love that place. Or I just there's a nice nostalgia there. And, and it's cool seeing someone discover this place as an adult. Um, It kind of makes me appreciate where I'm from a little bit more. Um, Because just growing up there, I had, you know, I really did have the kind of cliched, starry-eyed dreams of, you know, moving to the big city one day. So I felt, you know, kind of held back, I think, when I was a disgruntled, gothy teenager. Um, and it's nice to remember, you know, that it's a huge part of who I am and, you know, that it really helped shape me and that there are wonderful things and wonderful people. And, and I like kind of, you know, revisiting those memories and casting maybe a more positive, constructive light on them. I will say though, I noticed in a weird way, I feel like moving out to the East Coast kind of made me a bit more authentic um, because I definitely have sort of a people pleasy tendency. And one thing that I really appreciated is that, you know, the reality is sometimes is that it's, you know, I I consider myself to be a nice person as well. I like to genuinely make people happy, but I think it's important to look at where that impulse is coming from. Like, am I doing a nice thing because it's the right thing to do and not because I want to benefit this person? Or am I like 
kind of maybe putting on a little bit of a performance and wanting to be perceived a certain way. And I feel like like New Yorkers, they aren't going to put up with that shit. <laughs> and I really appreciated that, you know, as um, you know, I was kind of sort of discovering myself and really maturing. You know, I came out here when I was uh, 23. So I think, the, you know, there was still a lot of growing up to do. And I really, I valued those lessons quite a bit. And I realized ultimately that like, and, and I had been studying, you know, taking French courses during this time and more for fun, really, and also to kind of revisit it and try to get some of the vocabulary back and whatnot, because it really had been a long time. You know, I wanted to study something because I loved it. I kind of discover things as as they come up. You know, I've never been the sort of person to say, you know, I want to be, I don't know, like a, a lawyer one day and here are the steps that I need to take to get there. One of the things that happened eventually, like my first job, or the one that moved me out to New York City, illustration agent. I mean, talk about esoteric. I knew, I had a great appreciation for art. Um, was thing at the time and there were a lot of writers that I really admired and still you know I really believed in it as a medium kind of like a negative connotation or like there's always some absolutely idiotic hierarchy and so like if you say you're a blogger I think you're kind of lower on the totem pole than you know some novelist for example I don't like those systems you enjoy kind of disrupting them and I just realized the whole fact that I'm a Francophile, like that that could just be explored in so many, you know, fun, silly directions. And so like, that was, it was great to kind of start, I don't know, like kind of tapping into my curiosity, but on a more personal level, you know, like I've always been the kind of ask myself silly questions. And, you know, I, I prefer to Google this on the Oracle and just like look them up. I'm constantly looking up random silly facts and so as I was doing that at one point I had come a project that I think it was like the urban development department at a university had done and they like reconstructed a map of Manhattan Paris it was like what would New York look like if you know it followed the same sort of um, urban development planning and weirdly enough, the like one of the students who'd worked on that, I think had set up a Google alert or something. So found my article. And um, so she reached out to me and asked if I'd like to collaborate from time to time. And I felt kind of, even though it was very low key, you know, sort of discovered in a way. I, it was it was great. And then from there, um, they'd started to develop relationships with like Gawker and started to publish more and more on these online platforms that were really, you know, quite big and some of them still quite big. And that was kind of that's the, the origin story, I guess. Oh, so just an adventure in writing and becoming. I just love that something I did genuinely for myself, you know, to make myself happy for fun, wound up getting attention versus when I've, you know, gone out into the world and I'm putting on a little song and down thing that was really authentic and from the heart. As a 10-year-old with a baguette on your back and the Asterix comic, which is a famous, you know, French, it's a, it's a French children's stories, right? From what I remember, how would you bring that to like American children that you were going to teach French to or something like that? And so associated with children, is that something that you would be interested in doing? Like writing for Unbelievably intelligent 
and sensitive and perceptive in a way that, you know, we kind of have beaten out of us as adults. And something that I kind of perceived as, you know, oh, this is a cute book. And basically it was about walking a dog and, you know, going around the town and the different community and how you're forming these connections. And, you know, it's all of a sudden I really understood actually there and my adult brain just kind of had to gloss over it and you know just sort of look at it superficially and then I realized how even though it was you know linguistically very simple you know the narrative not particularly complex <laughs> but you know like but there was a lot of meat there and and just remembering you know that innocence and that experience of you know just constantly like learning and, you know, being wowed by, you know, the world that you inhabit. And I just think that's so interesting. And I really, I do get annoyed because I think that especially in the States, I feel like we just, we don't give children enough credit anymore. I think that we're really overprotective and I worry that it can harm them in the long run. And I worry that it can also sometimes shape, you know, people who might behave a little bit more selfishly and whatnot. You know, there there are things in life, unfortunately, that are hard. And, you know, I'm not saying like, you know, let the children suffer, but, <laughs> you know, like we need to, they need to have those experiences. I think it's critical. And I think that we really diminish their intelligence and their ability to cope. And I think it would be really cool to, you know, have have a, a small place in, you know, just kind of helping to uplift kids and, you know, teach them how to deal with the complicated feelings and, and the sad things that can happen in this life. And so that is actually, I, you know, and it's funny, too, because we talk about adults versus children, but these are incredibly complex, like philosophical themes. I feel like, like children and like children's minds can honestly be a little bit more elevated <laughs> than, than our own the simplicity and, and what our culture does to like, they love a genius child, right? right? Or a, a funny child that can be a meme. And then we pick them apart as they go through puberty and into adolescence, into adulthood, mm -hmm. that there has been, so that they peaked at five years old and, you know, their YouTube channel is undersubscribed or whatever right. it is. And, and uh, it's really destructive. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, being a precocious kid as I was, it was sent to like Odyssey of the Mind camps, you know, like the, you know, all, all the, the nerd school kind of stuff. And then I was like abandoned after I took my SATs at age 13, you know, and, and after that, I felt very um, underserved, I think, as a bright child mm -hmm. and uh, that it was more interesting for me to cut class or find ways to, to ditch out or to have more um, adult experiences mm -hmm. because I, I was, I don't know. I was part of the latchkey generation though. It's a lot different now with helicopter parenting and it's a really complex conversation. I have. To yeah. Say. It's very, no, I totally agree with you. And actually this is funny timing. So I was just watching, it's a little cheesy, but um, the, the Mr. Rogers movie starring Tom Hanks. Oh. <laughs> I cried. Oh my so lord! Hard. I was like blubbering. It was, <laughs> it was ridiculous. But one one of the lines that has really stuck with me, and I feel like we're touching on it right now. But um, is it when 
he's being interviewed by Oprah or something, but she asks, you know, what, you know, maybe one of our greatest shortcomings as adults or parents can be. And he says something about not, um, not recognizing where the child is at that moment in time and like kind of honoring them as a child and that we have such a tendency to like focus on the future, for example, and like, you know, well, you need to do these actions now and sort of display these sorts of characteristics so you can be this kind of person in the future that we never really hold space for a child in the here and now, like as they're developing. And I never thought about that before, but that really struck me. And like, and I think it's such a toxic, you know, trait. And it's something we definitely carry with us into adulthood. You know, I feel even still, I'm so bad at being genuinely in the present, which is of course, you know, the only time that we have any power at all, right? <laughs> like any accountability, you know, I, I get focused on, you know, maybe perceived mistakes from my past and anxious about my future. And I'm, it's, and I wonder sometimes if there's like a connection there because we never are taught or really encouraged to like honor that space of where we are in that exact moment. And I think about how frustrating that must be, you know, as we're trying to kind of learn to adapt to the world around us, you know, it's hard for kids. Run, Gemini uh, are always on to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And it's almost that form of stimulation that keeps them in the present. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that's been like encouraging for you to, to stay curious and get to the next, the next desire or the next like uh, cerebral hit that you get, you know, like that next Google <laughs> and, the, and the, the good hormones that come with that um, discovery of information. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm curious, like what helps you to stay the most grounded? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, something, honestly, I, I kind of struggle with sometimes and it's something that I really work at every single day but you know going for walks um I love being in Brooklyn but um it's so critical for me to get to the park almost every single day just you know be around a tree um trying to be very conscious of my environment like really looking around and sometimes that even you know if I'm having a hard day and feeling anxious you know then I have to like you know, do it incredibly actively. I'll just even have sort of these like dialogues going on in my head where I'm like, oh, and look, and there's the squirrel over there and he jumped to that branch and and how many leaves are over here and da da da, and just like really center myself in that way. Um, also, I've noticed um, performance. Um, I'm a violinist, uh, amateur violinist. I've been playing for 30 years now. Um, it's one of the very few things when I'm playing that actually gets the chitter chatter to stop <laughs> and um it's just it absolutely grabs me it like good music beautiful dance a wonderful opera you know a great play usually things that are more based than like yeah like music for example I don't I feel like theater I can still my mind can start to wander and I don't know if that's because it's sort of more based in the verbal <laughs> but um but yeah music art um nature those are really the things that kind of kind of help me you know stay a little bit closer to earth <laughs> this is the little fox from the little prince oh. and I feel like it's really sort of infused the conversation with the sense of like and that that sense of childlike quality and and it and it feeds in that story you know for those those listeners who haven't read the little prince is so in tune with what we've been speaking of is the sense of losing 
our child selves or our present mm-hmm. selves in in minutia in the bureaucracy and there's a lot of characters in the little prince that sort of represent this like overthinking mental forward ahead of itself and the little prince is just asking very curious questions about why we do the things mm-hmm. the way that we do and I feel like that really says a lot about um, what I'm receiving from our conversation, that your curiosity is always guiding you to the next, the next thing, whatever that is. And, and that's kind of the delight and wonder of it all. Have you been keeping yourself sane throughout this year? I mean, I know New York was mm-hmm. completely locked down and uh, I mean, there was a, a huge flight of people moving back to their hometowns or away from that epicenter but how how have you been like checking it's been a year (laughs) I mean truly it's it it has been hard um I feel now that we're you know gosh like 13 14 months into this thing you know I've kind of as best I can you know fallen into a groove I think I kind of have you know sort of an acceptance of of what is now but um it was it was really difficult at the beginning um i i think like one of the things that was most haunting for me as i live near um a hospital so when things were in fact like really really popping off and and it's strange to think like there's you know it's an international pandemic and just to know that you're very literally at the epicenter of it, like that's that's kind of heavy. And there was a period for a couple of weeks where without exaggeration, it was just constantly heard an ambulance. And there was just this constant, like very, <laughs> you know, attention grabbing reminder of the the devastation that was going on around you. And it was terrifying, you know, and we didn't really have an understanding of, you know, just how contagious it is. You know, we had some vague protocols that were kind of, you know, put into place. I'm sure most of, uh, you know, anyone who's going to be listening to this is really fucked up (laughs) at the beginning and that there was just horrible leadership, of course. Um, And I think too, like the uncertainty, I really struggle with not knowing there's an end in sight, just in general in life. Like if I'm having a hard time, you know, it, it makes it so manageable for me if I can say, even if it's, you know, several months out, but I know that there's an end point, like that is so helpful for, for me just like psychologically. And then, so the opposite of that, if you're going through a really, really, you know, trying difficult time and, you know, there's just sort of this ambiguity and it's sort of, you know, you're forced to resign yourself to this new way of being. Um, I really struggled with that. And yeah, I mean, I've tried my best to indulge my habits, you know, or like get, get into the things that I enjoy or my yeah, hobbies rather. And there were times when I couldn't. And, and I think that that's been really the biggest lesson for me, you know, that I don't need to be hyper productive. You know, I don't need to be, you know, super clever and charming and, you know, ebullient all the time and that, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I can be kind of still and sort of uninspired and kind of bored and morose, but like, you know, I'm still worthy of being here. I'm still a good person. And and in a weird way, I'm not trying to like silver lining the pandemic, (laughs) but I do feel like 
I have learned some really important lessons um, that I need to be better about sort of separating my sense of self from the things that I do. Like, I know that, you know, for sure, like it, my personality, the, the interests that I have, like, yes, that's going to be a huge part of, you know, why I make the connections that I do in my life and, you know, how I've chosen my friends and how my friends have chosen me, but it doesn't necessarily need to define me. And that, you know, sometimes maybe, you know, we can be a little bit messier and lost and struggling and that's okay. That's also part of the experience. You know, you do learn in those moments. Um, I think just kind of learning to be a little bit more patient with myself has been really important. Um, Lord knows we've had plenty of time to just sit with our shadows and, and kind of really take a look at that. And there are things that I've certainly understood about myself that I wanted to work on and change, but I feel like there's just a, a depth of understanding that I didn't necessarily have before. And so that's really been a big part of it for me is just sort of this, you know, like psychological journey. Mine goes to this image on Instagram of you holding this teddy bear with the caption mm -hmm. that just said stillness. And that that feels really um, illustrative of what you've just described this, that we're not, we're not our productivity, mm -hmm. we are not what we do. And yet in our culture, that's such a defining aspect. You know, when you meet someone, you say, hey, right. Kelly, what do you do mm -hmm. for a living? Right. Favorite things about like connecting with people from other cultures. Like I, um, it's sort of funny. Like I had um, someone I had met in Cambodia a gazillion years ago and had a bit of a crush on. It was a very handsome British dude. Um, <laughs> and I wound up actually seeing him briefly in London in 2019. And what was really funny to me was I think we'd known each other we'd, or we'd met like six years prior and I had no idea what he did. And I loved that. <laughs> like, I just love that that was like, this is what we usually consider, just as you said, like that first piece of information kind of that we access about someone, I was still completely in the dark. But I had like an idea of like who he was as a person, you know, or the kinds of things that he was interested in. But that was really the, you know, the essence of it. And I think that's important. And also it's, I like I know I've struggled sometimes like especially being in a place like New York where you know it really is a rat race and there's so many unbelievably intelligent creative go-getters that are out there who are just you know unbelievably um just prolific and sometimes intimidating <laughs> and like you really have to own it sometimes to you know I like I've when I've gone on a, a holiday or taken a few days for myself and I've been quote unquote lazy and just sort of like reading and resting and whatnot. And, you know, someone will kind of furrow their brow at you and it takes a lot of resilience and, and confidence. And you know, to just remember like, no, like this is healthy too. Like I actually have kind of turned it around and feel sort of badly for those people now because I just feel like, I don't know, it's kind of imprisoning yourself a little bit, isn't it? To just not, allow yourself to to just be a human outside of you know this one incredibly particular role that that you occupy I just think it's silly imagine 
what it was like to hear all those ambulances and the fear. Um, I, I, it's really penetrated and touched all of our lives in such, uh, I mean, powerful. And to hear you say that it's taught you a lot about stillness and patience and just being, right? Just, at, you know, they were hijacked and it's really hard. I even recognize actually at the very beginning of the pandemic, I remember, you know, just starting to see the the articles about, you know, well, I'm trying to think of like just different writers and scientists, but like, you know, so-and-so, you know, wrote 17 plays and discovered gravity or whatever, <laughs> you know, like these absolutely massive human accomplishments. And I was like, oh goodness, like here we go. Like these are going to circulate like mad and everyone's going to feel like super pressured to try to live up to these sorts of standards. Like number one, pandemic or no, I'm not Shakespeare and that's okay. <laughs> like number two, I just, I didn't have it in me, but it's hard. I think when you're, you know, an intelligent creative person to also accept that, like I could be very okay with it some days. And then there were other days that I was very hard on myself, like, you know, get it together. You're being lazy. And then, you know, that of course translates to having like less value in this world. And it's been like a constant exercise and monitor to make sure that I'm not going down those really negative paths because it's so destructive and that's not going to inspire me to to pull out my violin or you know to come up with a great new pitch or anything like that so it's just really day by day just trying to accept it as best I can and you know and I do when the muse does decide to come and visit <laughs> you know just run with it for as long as I possibly can I'm always very grateful for those moments um they're energizing they're so pure but it doesn't happen all the time and certainly much less so in in this last year and and that's okay you know stretch of time and and we'll get to the other side of this and and there will be better things and we will feel inspired again you know I don't know what people are even like writing about or like, I mean, we have nothing to interact with. That makes it so difficult for me. Like I of course have my own ideas and, you know, I've always been a daydreamer. I have a very active imagination, but you know, I'm not having, you know, really stirring conversations with my friends in person. And, and that energy is actually really important to me. Of course, you know, being on the phone or zoom with your buddies is great, but I think like that face-to-face -face connection is really integral to like just how, I connect with someone and you know I'm not going to museums and galleries and I haven't seen you know an amazing performance and you know I just so it's it's hard to try to you know be inspiring yourself when you know you're just kind of feeling uninspired but that's just you know the the world that we're in at this particular moment it's kind of you know and acknowledge that perhaps there's an element of privilege and in, inherent in you know that stillness like I, I have this opportunity to be still. That's pretty fucking incredible. Um, not everybody has that, obviously. So I'm very grateful for that. But uh, it's been interesting to try to really, I guess I'm trying to look at where my motivations for, you know, different actions come from. So for example, like, you know, I do like, I love, I do love to write, you know, and when I get into a groove and, and being really productive with it, like it does feel good but I just want to make sure that you know everything is in balance I just want to be a little bit better at being aware of that like in the present moment 
you know, not having it be an afterthought, not trying to plan for balance in the future, <laughs> but to actually like bring it into my world here and now. Like it's really, I feel like my inspiration has really come through chatting with other people who may feel just as uninspired as I do, but there's like that union, that coming together is what stirs the air up and gets mm-hmm. the leaves blowing again. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. That is so poetic, but it's true. <laughs> I feel like other people are just like, that's honestly like my obsession in life. I really love people. I think that was why, you know, I've been good at the jobs that I've had, like, for example, with at the agency, which is essentially you know, I, I hate this term because it sounds so unglamorous to me, but it's it's sales at the end of the day. You know, you're trying to get these fantastic opportunities in place for the uh, for the illustrators that you work at or work with. And I did well at it and, you know, had a great reputation and I'm still very friendly with, you know, top industry people, be they the artists themselves or people in book publishing or advertising or whatever. And I think it was just because like, I genuinely like, I like people. I think they're really interesting. You know, I'd go to these events at the Society of Illustrators and, you know, I I talk to people like they're human beings. I think that they're really, yes, that's what networking should be. <laughs> but most people, you know, you go in, you kind of talk shop and whatnot. And I never did that. I just wanted to to get to know people. Totally agree with you. That was my conversation, uh, unfortunately heavily edited, (laughs) thanks to technology during Mercury retrograde and during that recording process. But yeah, you can find Miss Kate Kelly at misskatekelly.com or on Instagram. You can look up the Faux French blog, that's Faux, F-A-U-X, French, F-R-E-N-C-H, blog. I am so blessed to have these amazing connections in my life with people I haven't touched in with in a number of years and to reconnect with them so gloriously in time and space through these conversations. And I am so grateful for you taking time to listen, to participate in this journey, uh, to integrate astrology and the seasons and the wisdoms of nature into your personal world. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. This is the Inspired Astrology Podcast. I'm Lauren K. Hickman. You can find me at laurenkhickman.com or energyinterpreter.com. I'm on Instagram quite a bit, unless I'm taking a break like I did last week. And that's at Lauren K. Hickman. Uh, If you want to support this work, book a session with me. Get a gift card for a friend whose birthday is coming up. Uh, I do things like energy work virtually online. Um, I've visited people in hospice. I work with dogs and horses. Uh, Sorry, not a cat Reiki person. Sorry about that. Uh, And of course, just celebrating uh, your sacred journey into the fullness of your being using traditional Reiki and inspired astrology to support you on your path. Get in touch and I hope you'll stay inspired.